Welcome to the People Teaching People podcast. My name is Tiana Fesh. I'm a mom of three, an educator, a course development consultant, and a lifelong learner. Teaching and learning can take place anytime, anywhere, and in a multitude of ways. The range of knowledge and skills to teach and to learn about are truly limitless. But at the heart of all teaching and learning experiences are the people. The People Teaching People podcast is the place to talk about the who, what, when, where, why, and how of teaching and learning in a world where there is always more to discover. Education plays an important and integral role in all facets of our lives. How we work, do business, live, play, explore, and build relationships. Let's talk teaching and learning together. Welcome to the People Teaching People podcast. Joining me on the podcast today is Fran Murray. Fran, the bougie baker, food network competitor, and author, is the visionary behind Fran Murray Co. This boutique gifting agency excels at meticulously curating unforgettable experiences by fusing Fran's handcrafted gourmet confections with carefully selected products from local women and visible minority-owned businesses. With Fran's expertise, high-ticket service-based businesses can nurture key relationships, optimize their profits, and reclaim their time through automated relationship-based gifting strategies. I don't even know where to start with the dose of inspiration and motivation you will get from my conversation with Fran. I have had a number of opportunities to hear Fran speak, and I leave each one feeling like I have learned something new. In this episode, we discuss finding our authenticity, taking a relational versus transactional approach when it comes to business, as well as teaching and learning, and the importance of being a lifelong learner, and so much more. I look forward to hearing what your key takeaways are as well. For joining me today, Fran. My absolute pleasure, Tiana. It's always great to be in your presence, even virtually. Right back at you. And I wanted to start out by learning more about you and your story, and I would be really curious to have you share the journey of what led you to become the bougie baker and starting your boutique gifting agency. And maybe if you could sprinkle in a little bit about why you love what you do so much. Yes, that is a huge question. And so condensed version, I started baking since the age of nine. I, I grew up seeing my mom bake and you know coming to Canada my aunt's bake and it was just something that was always around the house and I was just excited when I became of age to be able to partake and then eventually be able to bake on my own without me knowing it soon became a place of escape a place of refuge just a place of place where I can just be right? I come from a very large family, not a very large immediate family, but, you know, in, in the Jamaican culture, your family is not just your nuclear family, right? It is your extended family and there is no separation. There's no difference in your love for any of those members compared to your own nuclear family. So 
there are always a lot of us around and, you know, my age bracket is one where there are a lot of older cousins, much older cousins, and then much younger cousins. So I was in the middle and it was just a way for me to retreat inwards and spend time with me. And I loved it. I was practicing mindfulness back then without even knowing it. In terms of, you know, the skills that come along with baking, we were at the farm, my aunt's farm, not too far from where I am. And we didn't have all the ingredients to a lot of the recipes that were in the books that I had at my disposal. And no one was going to drive nine-year-old friend to the market to buy cinnamon or whatever it is. So I just learned to experiment. You know, I would go on the berry patch and I'll just flip through whatever recipes that had the most of what we had in the pantry. And I baked away, substituted this for that, not even knowing how to really do that. Sometimes they worked out fabulous and other times, as you can imagine, <laughs> it was so great. But there were skills that I was developing and not knowing, you know, and fast forward a few years, you go to school because that's what you're supposed to do. You get married and check the box because that was expected of me at least. And you have little ones, check that box. That was expected of me. And I, you know, carved out a career for myself, check. That was expected of me. The birth of my first child, I'm looking at this beautiful being in my hand and not feeling the bliss that I expected to feel, that others told me I would feel. You know, I checked this box, so how come I'm not getting the feeling that's associated with checking that box? And I felt a little bit lost I felt like I was, you know, being ungrateful and um, I felt like I couldn't really articulate what I was feeling because it's just what I was supposed to feel and I wasn't feeling it and I didn't know who to talk to about it. And again, I retreated inwards and I tried to figure out, okay, well, this cannot be the end. Motherhood isn't the end. Like, what am I supposed to do with my life? There is so much more. After all, I was 30 years old, you know, so I did vision board exercises. I started going to conferences and surrounding myself with people who were doing things, you know, other than just being home on maternity leave. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I'm just one who constantly needs to be moving. I need to be learning. I need to be doing something. I'm very creative. I need that outlet. And I, you know, sat down and I started peeling back the onions on, okay, well, who is Fran in front of her mom, her brother, her um, aunts, in front of friends? Like, get to the core of who Fran is. And as I began to do that, I remembered, wait a minute, I used to bake all the time. And I remember the feeling that I had when I used to do that. It just felt so safe. You know, it was my own little utopia that I had created as soon as I put that apron on and started reading that recipe, just the sense of peace that came over me. And I, I thought, well, I want that. I want that again. And so I started baking again and um, the rest is history. That's incredible. That Thank is you. such an incredible story. And I think so relatable too in that I feel, well, I know for myself personally and in talking with other moms too, we kind of go down this path and then 
kind of have those aha moments right? where we think, huh, is this where I want to be? Is, is this where I want to be just because I feel I should be here? Like right. what's really going to bring me that joy and sense of purpose? And what else do I need to kind of add to my story to make it more authentically feel like who I am and who I want to be in this journey? You know, that is so right. And when you're in the season where, you know, this is the feeling that is coming up, it can be so incredibly lonely because first of all, you don't even know what's happening. <laughs> you, you're trying to figure it out. You don't even have the words to attach to the feelings you have. And then it's like, okay, well, who do I talk to? And in my case, you know, like I was looked at in my circle as someone who has everything together. I, I checked all the things, all the boxes I was supposed to check, like the model employee, model student, model child, all of these things. So who does that person go to when they feel like they don't have it all together and they feel like an imposter, really, you know? And so I was just so grateful that, I don't know, I had whatever it was within me to surround myself with people who were actually doing things other than what was expected of me, or I should say doing things in addition to not other than because there's nothing wrong with, you know, choosing the motherhood route or even not choosing the motherhood route. But I was able to surround myself with people who were doing other things. And it lit me up. I was like, I want that. The that I don't know, right? So I Initially, it wasn't, I want to start a baking business. No, that did not happen that way. It took a lot of months of trying to figure things out and talking to people, reading articles and attending these women empowerment conferences. And it took me figuring out who I really was to then, you know, give myself permission to actually step out and do other things. Well, who am I? Right. Because for back then, it was probably 15 years of my life was in corporate. You know, I was a very good chameleon in that I was good at being who you needed me to be so I can get the results for the company I was working for. Right. Very good at relationship building, very good at just thinking intuitively and preempting what you're about to say, having you feel like I understand exactly where you're coming from. It's definitely a skill. And I, my identity wasn't truly my identity. I was adopting other people's identity and I'm walking within the expectation of other people. And I had to learn, I had to undo that. So I had to get to the place where I knew who I was on my journey towards authenticity. And that's a lifelong journey. I'm still on that journey. But that was what I needed to do before figuring out exactly what I wanted to do in terms of the business and then eventually pivoting along the way. Well, and I love too how you reflected back on being a little girl and the joy that you felt when you were 
baking and and kind of what that experience was like for you as a young child. And you are a co-author in a book called Remarkable. And I revisited your chapter before we chatted today. And in it, you talk about, you know, making a significant move and a big change in your life and coming to Canada from Kingston, Jamaica, when you were nine. So you were young, you were very Very young. So what was that experience like for you? The experience, it's so interesting because as an adult, looking back and thinking about my experience, it's very different than me channeling that nine-year-old girl and remembering what the actual experience was. It's very different, right? So, you know, in that nine-year-old mind, it was fun. Oh my goodness. It was amazing. You know, me and my peers, like we were talking about how it would be like here. I thought that it was always dark and that everybody in your family lived in the same house and fish fell from the sky, like things that nine-year-olds talk about, you know what I mean, on the playground. And so it was a very exciting journey for me and especially meeting so much more of my extended family who were so amazing and so loving. I love them so much even to this day. But in my adulthood, looking back, I can now see that (laughs) there were certain things that were you know, a bit traumatic, you know, certain things that led to, I guess, me being who I am today and me dealing with certain things in my life and also things that have led me to wanting to just envelope everybody I meet with a hug, you know what I mean? And embrace them. And and it's why I talk about giving yourself permission to be, it's why I talk about you don't have to color within the lines. And it's because of, you know, my upbringing and um, just being used to a certain household and how things are done. And then, you know, coming into a, a household that was very different, it looked different, people spoke different, and the expectations were very different. And then me having to just adopt it. And I did very quickly. And that really did inform um, my character. Well, and I wanted to ask you this question too. So I speak with a lot of teachers, there's a lot of teachers in my world. And I know there's a lot of newcomers coming like right now in Calgary, in a to a lot of Calgary schools into a lot of communities and, and coming to Canada for the first time. And I'm wondering if you might you know, kind of thinking back to that time or thinking as an adult, looking back at that time, what advice maybe would you give to teachers and community members that might have made that transition even a little bit easier and better for you? Yes, I think I can speak to the representation aspect of that. Just to put a a pin in that, my teachers, even from my memory, they were great. I had amazing teachers, right? And it's probably because I was a great student, but I had no issues at all with my teachers They were very kind. And of course there were things that they could do or could have done, but you don't know what you don't know, right? And that's the grace that I'm glad I'm able to extend to uh, my teachers in the past. And what I would say to teachers who have, um, you know, diverse uh, students in their classrooms, especially newcomers, is 
try to the best of your ability to provide literature or media to those individuals that allow them to see themselves within this great big new world, right? So for me, what that could have looked like was, this is a fabulous author, and did you know she is Canadian? You don't even have to tell me she looked like me. I can figure that out, I have eyes, right? But it, it's, it's finding that commonality, right? That would help bridge the gap between what a student was used to and what a student now has to be used to. And, and here's an example of someone who had to get used to the same thing, right? I think that would have been helpful. I must say though, that in my grade six, that's middle school. So in my middle school years, I did have a teacher who was gracious enough to invite me to a, I think it was a scholarship award right dinner and i saw folks who looked like me you know being given these amazing scholarships and people saying amazing things about these individuals and it was so fantastic because in my classroom and in you know going to the grocery store or wherever it was in my community we were the min minority right and that was very new to me Right. I, I didn't know how to process that. I just knew that it was different. So I, I'm so thankful that he did that and opened my eyes that, oh, wow, there are a lot of <laughs> people that look like me and they all had to go through the transition that I had to. I don't remember feeling alone, to be honest. And I think because there was a lot of distraction and I think the benefit was the age that I was, right? So seeing snowfall for the first time, looking forward to putting on my snowsuit. So there was a, so much fun that I was experiencing that all the other things, they were kind of on the back burner. And so it wasn't until my, you know, later years that I'm looking back and I'm saying, hmm, you know, these things could have been helpful, but that was not my focus. I could care less. I wanted to make snow forts. Like, what is that? Can you imagine like six months prior, you're sitting on the beach and then, you know, six months later, you're making a snow fort and there's like things falling from the skies. It was fun and, and, and it was amazing. Well, I appreciate your perspective. And I remember with a friend of mine, seeing her see snow for the first time and how amazing that was. So I love hearing about your joy and excitement about all the, the things that are new. And I so appreciate though, the specific idea that you shared for teachers. It's something that's not a hard thing to do, Not but it's all. a highly impactful thing to do. So thank you for sharing that. And also the story about the teacher that, you know, took you to that award night and really kind of went that extra mile to create that connection and, and show you what's possible. I think that's a beautiful story. He sounds like a great teacher. Oh, great teacher, Mr. Conville. I don't know if he would ever hear this. I have no idea if he's still around, but Mr. Conville, if you are listening, I appreciate you. I love that so much. So one of the things that we've talked about before is, and one of the things I really admire about you the most, Fran, is that you've had so much success through your career, 
but you always keep it so real. So you talk openly about hard times, challenges, and obstacles, and then you also share along with that your wins, the opportunities and growth that you you've had. And I think it is so helpful because I think sometimes people just see that highlight reel and not the journey and all those things that go along with it. And in the book Remarkable, in your chapter, you talk about sort of that reinvention of yourself and getting to that place where you could be authentically you. And and you've shared some of that in our discussion today. Do you mind if I read a little piece from the book that you wrote? Please go ahead. Yes. Okay. So one of the things that you wrote was, no longer was I swimming upstream, trying to prove anything to anyone or trying to live up to others' expectations of me or trying to fit in. I was living for me. I was swimming in my own stream. I was demystifying and disrupting what success means to me, what a good wife means to me, and what a good friend means to me. I curated my world and gave myself permission to belong. I chose me, loved me, and saw me. I told myself that I matter and I believe it. I belong here, I'm loved here, and I'm seen here. I matter here. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. (laughs) And when I read your chapter, to me, I really took from it, again, that authenticity that you so beautifully share with others. And it really caused me to, you know, take that pause and reflect and think about, I love the analogy that you shared because I'm picturing myself, you know, am I, am I doing things in this stream or pathway that others kind of think I should be on or I, am I where I should be and what feels right for me? So I'm wondering what encouragement or advice you'd give others on their own journeys of finding their own authenticity. Yes. And if I could, because I think this may help answer your question, if I can unpack that paragraph, which oh, brought me to tears. My goodness, I can't believe I wrote that. But it's so true, right? It's so true. And although, yes, I've gone through that journey, I'm actually still going through it. And the reason why it brought me to tears a bit is because I'm still going through it, it's not something that ever ends. So I needed to hear you read that back to me, right? As much as someone needs to hear it when read it in the book. And oh, thank you for, for doing that. Within the baking industry, when I started, I didn't feel like I belonged. And I say that because yes, it's vast, it's big, but I am good at making things look pretty great fantastic but what lights me up is the experience on your palate and not a lot of people were talking about that and i fear losing that part if i just focused on how something looked only right and i was surrounded by people who were doing i'm an artist i'm a cake artist right they they weren't calling themselves bakers And when people would come to me for things, can you make this thing look like that? I'm like, yeah, but how about it, how it tastes? Like, what about this? You know, I would have couples come into the showroom and they will tell me their request of their three flavors and I'll add some and I'll say, wow, (laughs) 
based on what you told me you wanted, this is what I came up with as well. So how about this? And they look at me and they say, I would like a vanilla cake, please. And I would die inside. So I knew that, okay, what was expected of me is not what I want to give. It's just not my thing. I don't want a bakery because that's a job. I don't want to have to show up somewhere and leave somewhere. So there was a lot of things that was going on internally that just didn't sit well with me. And then I felt very stuck. I couldn't move because I didn't see an example of someone doing something that resonated with me wholeheartedly, right? And so that's where that statement comes in. I spent a lot of years swimming in someone else's stream because there were lots of examples of how to do that. And again, I'm a great chameleon. So I was very good at doing the things that I was seeing, right? It came, because I'm creative also, it came very natural to me. And it wasn't until, you know, I sat with myself and I'm like, I'm tired, I can't do this. You know, you putting on someone else's identity, calling yourself something that is expected of you and not actually something that is birthed out of you, it is exhausting. You will burn yourself out. So the advice I give, is get to the core of your onion. Who are you? What do you represent? What lights you up? Why are you even here? Why do you open your eyes every morning? What is that driving force? Not what someone's expecting of you. I don't mean my driving force is to complete, you know, my LSAT with fine colors. No, it's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the core of you outside of your education, outside of, you know, the, the labels that people put on you and also the labels that we've actually adopted thinking it's ours, but it's not, right? And, and it's, it's not a very easy task to, to complete. It's not an easy journey to go through. You're going to look in the mirror and just not like who you see which I think it's an amazing thing because it's you're bringing up parts of you that doesn't serve you and you have to see it in order to shed it. Right. And so a lot of that happened, you know, for me, you know, and in case in point, for example, in corporate, I, at one point I led a team of 15, you know, my job was to, you know, maintain the license in the different jurisdictions for this energy retailer that I worked for. And I was adopting this very masculine, I guess, identity, like very domineering, very well, it's my way or the highway. This is what I said. I asked for it yesterday. Why isn't it here? And then I realized that through me, you know, being home and then my daughter at the time, she's the first one, you know, there was, there was a conversation that I was having and I'm like, wait a minute, the words that are coming out of my mouth, they're not mine. Like, this is not me. I was becoming someone that I, that just didn't resonate with, didn't resonate with the core of my being. And I had to, it had to come up for me to see it, recognize it and shed it. Right. And so when I noticed certain things that or certain characteristics, certain behaviors, then I had to shed those behaviors, but then say, okay, well, who, who, who is friend? Like, what are my characteristics? What are my behaviors? What come naturally to me? And what's naturally is kindness, 
and love. I want to love you. Oh my goodness. The amount of times Tiana, I've said, I appreciate you. And I do so much. And that's just something that comes very naturally, right? But I had to be comfortable with me in my own skin, in my own being, in order for me to, I guess, for there to be a separation between who I am and then what I do. Right. Mm-hmm. So and this is when I was in corporate. What I did is not what who I not who I was. There was a separation. And in my own business, there is no separation anymore. It's me authentically. So how I show up on this podcast, exactly how I would show up when I'm meeting with um, any members of my team, when I'm meeting with my client, when I'm networking in a group of people, there is no difference. Fran is Fran wherever she is. And I wanted to be this version of me for the past probably seven, eight years. I've been chasing this version of me. And and I what comes out of this walking in authenticity, what comes out of this journey to becoming is freedom. Freedom to be because I no longer fear what other people's opinion is of me why it's none of my business first of all right it doesn't matter it doesn't impact me because i'm so assured i'm so confident in the fact that what is for me will be for me no one can take that away when one door closes it's to make way for the others to open i know that my no's make way for yeses and i'm so assured of that fact Right. And so fear does come into play. And I don't want someone listening to this thinking that, okay, wow, Fran, you fear nothing. I tell you, I have conversations with myself every single day audibly. You would think I'm crazy. I speak to myself and I answer myself. And the reason why I do this is because I need to hear the words come out of my mouth to believe it and to internalize it. Right. And I find that when I am feeling fearful about certain things, you know, I will speak to myself and I would say, okay, well, why do I fear that? What truth is within this fear? Right. And I'm able to dispel it because I'm able to recount all the things that I've accomplished to counteract why this thing is not real. Right. Imposter syndrome is a real thing. You will never get rid of it. If someone tells you they do not feel it, they are lying to you. It's within our human nature, right? Fight or flight. That is how we used to survive on this earth, right? And so the fear of change is real. You feel it. You walk through it anyway. You do it afraid because you know that what's on the other side is way better than where you are now. And in order to know that, you would have to go through it a couple of times, right? And so results, your wins breed confidence, confidence to say, yeah, I am super nervous about walking in that boardroom, but you know what? I'm going to do it anyway, because the last time I did it, this was the result, right? And don't rob yourself of learning. And so this authenticity journey, it is a scary thing to start, but you know, it's just, it's a beautiful thing to continue because it just feels so great. And I know along with authenticity, relationships are like front and center 
to what you do. And when I was scrolling your website, right up front and center, it says that you're all about nurturing key relationships through gifting, being really central to your business and how you approach it. So how are relationships central to the work that you do both with your clients as well as local women and visible minority-owned businesses that you collaborate with? Relationship is the core of what I do. And it's interesting how the puzzle pieces came together. So for 17 years, my job was to maintain and build relationships with people who, you know, don't really know me. (laughs) You know, like I was the new person. First of all, I was young than most of uh, the people doing what I was doing. And I didn't look like the people that were doing what I was doing. And I also didn't dress like them either. So I was definitely an anomaly and I had to get past, you know, titles like that people hold. Like I had to figure out a way to connect with someone on the human level, right? So while, you know, someone, a colleague will walk in the room and first talk about, you know, business of like, well, how is your family? And I'll remember what when, you know, their child's birthday was. I had to remember what charity they like to donate to. I had to remember things about them as a human being and not and separate who they were from what they did. Right. And I focused on who they were. And that was my ticket in to building and maintaining relationships with them. And um, I was successful. I was successful at that. And when I started my e-commerce business with the luxury trifles to help my consumers at the time, it was just consumers to nurture relationships with their loved ones. It was during the pandemic. We weren't seeing each other as often. And it was my way for them to extend their love in a box. I felt still at that time, I felt like I wasn't infusing my all into what I'm doing. And that bothered me, right? Because the ultimate goal was for me to just be all in, right? And then I turned to a group of entrepreneur friends, and I sent a note to them. And I'm like, no, let me help you nurture your relationships. Lo and behold, Tiana, the folks that I was nurturing relationships with in corporate in terms of their title are the folks that I'm helping nurture their relationships with today. And I never, ever thought um, it wasn't, I never thought that I would be at the place where I would still be talking to the people I've been used to talking to for the past 17 years, you know, and in the same way, like building relationships with them. And the, the reason why I'm doing all this is so business can be less transactional and more relational. You know, I felt very much that it was just very cold. You know, why can't we sit around the table? Yes, in our suits, if you want to, and talk about how horrible our morning was. Like, why is that not okay? You know, or how amazing our morning was because we saw the most beautiful rose bloom. I don't know. Like, why is that not okay? You know, and so me giving my permission to speak and talk about the things that I want to talk about is giving my clients permission to talk about the things that they desperately want to talk about. And I do that just so, you know, they can actually help me turn 
corporate Canada from this cold transactional place to more relational. And I think, you know, what the result is, I know actually what the result is, is that they'll have increased business because people need to feel like they're seen. They need to know they matter and they need to know they love, they're loved. And your clients are no different. They are people too. And so if you focus on having your clients feel appreciated, then you will definitely probably do a whole heck of a lot less um, in marketing to bring them um, back to the top of your funnel, right? They will remember because they will associate the feeling of unpacking that gift, the feeling of you just making that gesture to show them they're appreciated, they're associated with your business. And guess what people do when they like things, right? They talk about it right? The next dinner party they go to, they're going to say, my mortgage broker is amazing. And they'll recount all the amazing things that you've done for them. Why? Because you gave them the gift. They'll probably not even mention the gift to their friend because it's not about the gift. It's about the feeling, right? And you're reminding them about how amazing the service was that you provided them. And so that is really you know, the gift is the catalyst to all of this. And it's, it's just a remarkable, remarkable journey that I'm on. And it's so comfortable, right? The space I'm in, it's comfortable. I'm used to it. I am just, the language I'm speaking is a little bit different. And I think I'm being a little bit louder. And there's a lot of advocacy that I'm doing as well. And the advocacy comes in me partnering with the woman-owned and minority-owned businesses and the reason that is so near and dear to my heart is just because of my own experience um, when I was baking and sponsoring events and how I was treated. And, you know, it just wasn't a great experience. And also, I when starting the gifting portion of my business, I was going to these wholesalers and I felt really icky because I'm surrounded by so many amazing product-owned businesses. And it's like, okay, well, who's supporting these businesses? And if I am fortunate enough to be in homes that they may not be in, then why can't I bring them along? Like, no, I haven't reached the tip of the iceberg in terms of, you know, what other people's, you know, idea of success is. But wherever I am, I can bring them along because this is not about me. Fran Marico is not about Fran. Yes, my name is in it. But it's about the legacy that I want to curate. And the legacy is looking back and bringing others along the journey. My legacy is infusing love into the world. My legacy is leaving the world better than how I found it. And everything I do has to have all of those elements. Otherwise, I'll feel out of alignment. Well, and I love how you're talking about kind of that people relationship piece being so key to all those things that you're doing in a way that's so meaningful and aligned to you. And I love how you said as well about it being more relational than transactional, because I right. think it applies so beautifully to business and baking and bringing people joy and making people feeling feel like you see them, you recognize them, you appreciate them. It's the same way I talk to people about teaching because sometimes teaching can be seen as transactional. Right. You have something that you want to or need to learn. 
I'm going to tell you and show you those things. And then we call it a day. But when the relationship, that relational piece comes in, that's what really leaves that lasting impact and leaves that lasting mark and really can influence and affect the way that you see things moving forward. And I think about the story that you shared about your teacher and what an impression that left on you. And maybe you could find him and tell him, you know, the difference that he made in your world. I I always sort of challenge people to do that if they can. You know what? I am so grateful that you mentioned that because I am, I'm going to, I am going to, I, it's just, it's so interesting. I actually did something like that. Someone who taught me this, I attended a church service and someone said, Everything you need to succeed is already within your environment. It takes building one relationship at a time. And can I tell you, Tiana, there was a holiday, I think two holiday seasons ago when I first started, you know, going into gifting and there was a, I attended this coaching session and there was a a coach, a guest coach. And I said, I don't know anyone, you know, in, in business who would want my services like I'm a new fish like how do I find people people don't know me and you know what she said love on the people who already love you what she was basically telling me tap into my network tap into the results of the relationships that I've already built light bulb I got an opportunity to see the gentleman I think it was probably six months ago six months ago I saw him again and I was like I need to talk to him I found him and I said I have something to tell you. I told him the story and he was, you know, saying the quote with me as I was telling him, which was like, oh, that is so great. Of course, you remember the quote, you said it, but it it was just so nice to have that experience with him. And I thanked him very much. And I said, what you said that day was for me because it is my life's motto. And I've repeated it hundreds of times since you said it that day. And so I will definitely find Mr. Conville. I will try my best. I will try my best and I'll report back to you because I would love to have that conversation with him and let him know how impactful that was. I I can't wait to hear how that goes. (laughs) That would be quite remarkable. So a little bit, you've been talking about, you know, all the learning and growth that you've experienced and teaching and learning, I know are a piece of what you do as well. You've led some uh, workshops for young people. And I'm curious how else sort of teaching and learning play a role in the work you do. Oh my, yes. So I love sharing the joy of baking, right? So prior to uh, my e-commerce baking business, I was doing, I think, Facebook Lives, right? And I was showing people how easy it was to bake. And so I had the series where I said, okay, well, seven ingredients or less. If it takes you more than 30 minutes, no, we're not going to do that. So it was 30 minutes seven ingredients or less, I am going to share with you the joy of baking because that joy that I felt, I was like, I don't want it just for me. Like I want other people to experience this. I'm just so in love with, I'm so in love with what I do. And um, that was a way of me doing that. And it was just so nice to hear stories about people saying, I made this and oh my goodness, I was so scared and now I can do it. And I do this with my kids all the time. It was so nice to hear that. And so I love to teach. Most of all, I think teaching is just a catalyst of me 
experiencing the joy that comes with the light bulb moment for other people. That's what it is for me, right? I don't consider myself a teacher, but it is a way for me to have people get that ha huh, moment that yes, I deserve this. Yes, I can do this, you know? And the, the workshop series that I do with, with youth, oh, it lights me up. I think I have way more fun than they do. I tell them that and they giggle. They think it's hilarious. Um, just the, what I love about that is that the workshops really is a catalyst because it could be anything. It could be sewing, swimming, whatever, right? But what it does is it builds their confidence, right? And so I tell um, folks, and if you're a teacher or a, a parent, a guardian, find something that whoever you're supervising can create with their hands. Something, right? It could even be through literature, just something that at one point it's blank, it's nothingness, there's nothing there. And at the very end of it, something is there. You've created something. There's so much confidence that arises within a young, growing person to go through that exercise. It's just phenomenal. And the feeling they get is something they're going to want over and over and over again. So what are you encouraging? More learning, right? Because they want the feeling they had when they built this thing. They want the feeling they had when they created this essay that got this amazing grade that was nominated to be on, you know, whatever it was, right? Some type of an award system for the learnings and the things that your um, students create with their hands, as small as it can be, it just evokes such amazing things and they're going to carry that throughout their lives. And I know that what I do with the youth, yes, they're having fun. Yes, they're experiencing tidbits of these confident boosts. Yes, they're more vocal in their classroom, which I'm hearing, which is so great, but that comes with the confidence boost. But I know the majority of what they're learning, they won't even realize it for another 10 years. Oh, and it's so beautiful because it's so permanent, you know, and it's such a positive impact in a world that we think has gone nuts, you know, and, it, and it's such a contrast to what they're seeing every single day, right? Seeing, hearing, experiencing. And so if we can be that light and if we can be that catalyst, oh, let's do it. Let's do it. And I just, I truly hope that I get many, many, many more years to impact the youth. And I, I absolutely love it. And I'll continue to do it for as long as I can. Yeah, it truly, through teaching and learning, that lasting impact, it's, there's such an opportunity for it. There's such an opportunity to have that amazing, positive, lasting impact. And as you said, maybe some students or some Young people are not going to see it in that moment, but they'll look back and, and it will, as you said, bring up those feelings Absolutely. that will lead to other experiences and more of that feeling that they Absolutely. had that they enjoyed so much. Now, I need to pick your brain because you're a person I admire. What is uh, something that you would love to learn about or something that you would love to do, learn to do? I'm going to surprise you. 
Can I surprise you? Yeah, please do. So growing up, I used to pick apart my brother's trucks, his little, his toy cars and trucks, and I'll never know how to put them together. I just love finding out like how things work, right? And I think that's probably why I get bored very easily because once I figure it out, I move on to the next, right? And so I've always wanted to learn how to change brakes on a car. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> I know. I don't know why. Like I know how to like put the oil thing in. Like any opportunity I get to do something to my car, oh, I take it, right? I just I don't know what it is about mechanics and how things work, but the brake pad. I just want to know how to change the brakes. Like I want to know how to pump the car up, go under, do the thing, get all dirty. I don't know why. And I bet you if I learned, it's like, okay, did it once. That's yeah, that's now, what? now what? Now what? Now the next. But that's something I always wanted to do. Yeah. I can't wait to hear about when you do, because I feel I like it's going to happen now, especially because you've shared that out loud. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. What is a place that's at the top of your travel bucket list? Ooh. Oh, my gosh. Is it strange that I don't have one? Um, no, that's okay. I don't have one, but my ultimate what I love to do when I travel is I like to experience things. So traveling to an all-inclusive resort, I just sleep there. I don't hang out there, right? I want to go out and I, I ask questions. Like I ask, you know, the folks working there, well, where should I go for this? Where should I go for that? I want the tours. I want all of those things. I love experiencing the way other people live. Uh, I love finding out like why people do the things they do, like the psychology of it all. Like that's something I love. I like experiences. I like adventure. And I just think the human story is just so amazing and fascinating to me. So I love talking to people and getting to know, you know, why they do what they do and what triggered that. So it's wherever it is, I'm going to be up and about every day. I love it. Getting yeah. out there, learning, experiencing, exploring. Absolutely. Do you have a favorite book, podcast, or movie, or TV show, or something that you've really been enjoying lately? This is so strange. I won't even say it, but no. <laughs> no, I'll tell you after. <laughs> I'll tell you after, Dan. But I've never been one to, you know, follow a TV series for very long. It's just, oh, I catch it. Oh, great. That was fun. On to the next. So no, a book, one thing that I'm starting to read now, it's Habit Changers by MJ Ryan. And so the journey I'm on now is to create habits that I can sustain for a long period of time in order to change my world, right? Like there's certain things that I know that I really shouldn't be doing, that I need to stop doing, like the late night scrolling, staying up because I feel like me staying up, I'm spending time with myself because I didn't get to spend time with myself and think, but then I'm tired, so I wake up exhausted, and then it's a never-ending cycle. That is something I'm trying to change. Um, and so definitely this book I am um, diving into, and I can't wait to um, put some things together and talk to me in 30 days, Tiana. Okay. And, then, <laughs> and I'll tell you if, you know, 
I was successful or not, but we'll see. Sounds like an intriguing book and a great plan, though. A great plan. And if you could sit down and have a conversation with someone that you would love to learn from, who would it be and why? Can I tell you? Me, 10 years from now. I hope that doesn't sound narcissistic. And I'm going to explain (laughs) why I say that. Growing up, you know, people would ask, teachers would ask, well, who do you look up to? And I had nobody. And because I had nobody, I put my mom down. And my mom is amazing. I love her. And because, I mean, I think she's just phenomenal. And that's the only one that I thought was worth even jotting down. And then I heard someone say, again, I love talking to people and I absorb things. They say, it is so important to look up to yourself in the future because that's the person that you are accountable to and the only person you should be accountable to. So whatever I do today, Tiana, is for Fran five years from now, is for Fran 10 years from now. That is the person that I want to make proud. So for me to talk to that person, Fran, 10 years from now, oh my gosh, the questions that I have, right? Because the 10 years haven't passed yet. So I don't know all the learnings and all the lessons and all those things that I'm about to embark on, but she does, right? And so if I could talk to her, um, it would be like a crystal ball, of course, can't do that. But if I could talk to her, oh man, there's so many questions that I have. And I know she'll have so much grace and so much understanding and would give me the courage and the understanding and just what I need to get through the next 10 years. And so if I could do that, man, that would be wonderful. So Fran, 10 years from now is someone I would love to have a conversation with. That's a beautiful answer. (laughs) I really like that. I really like that. Now, we've sort of talked about this throughout our conversation, but education plays such an important and integral role in all facets of our lives. Do you have any final words of wisdom that could empower or support people in their own teaching and learning journeys? You're always a student. Like that should be your goal to be a forever student because the moment you stop learning, that's when you stop living. That's when you stop evolving. And to be in a place where you stop evolving, like what lives there, right? Like if you think about it, water that is still, what lives in that water? You probably have parasites, things that are not so nice, right? Fish? Nope, probably not, right? And so still water breeds disease, right? And I want to be in flow and constant flow. And in order to be in constant flow, you've got to be moving, you've got to be learning, you've got to be thinking, you've got to be sharing, right? And so in your quest to learn, in your quest to be a forever student, do not forget to share because you need an outlet. There is so much, only so much that you can contain. You cannot contain it all. You can only fill a cup so much. So take in, through learning and share through giving, right? And that way you will have more room to learn even more. And so that is what my messaging to you is. That is my messaging to, you know, my 
my children. It's so interesting. Trevor Noah said an analogy. Actually, he was recounting something that happened. And I think he's just so brilliant. And he said his mom gave him candy in, in, in one hand and passed a group of kids and said, give kids some candy. He's like, but you just gave me this candy. I don't want to give them my candy. And so she filled his hand with more candy and more candy so much that he couldn't hold anymore. And he said, she said, give your candy because you will get no more. He gave some candy and guess what? It freed his hand up to get more, right? And so just operating in a mindset of abundance means that things will be flowing all the time. Things aren't scarce. You give, it will be given onto you. And it's reciprocal. It's like the laws of gravity. What goes up must come down. If you give, you will receive. And so that's how I, I try to operate and I share with my kids. Who knows if it's resonating? <laughs> we'll see. I think our kids take in and hear and observe and learn so much more than they probably will ever admit. Although I try now to let my mom and dad know how much they taught me. I appreciate them oh where at the time probably didn't do a very good job of it and also probably thought that they didn't know what they were talking about half the time. <laughs> yeah, but but I think the way that you live and how you do things has so much of an impact on your children as well. I think they're watching, they're learning. They're, they are, they are. They might not be saying it, but they're, they're definitely taking, taking it all in. I hope so. And I think too, what we, you know, guardians listening, and I'm speaking to myself, and I'm trying to do a better job at this is we're in our own worlds as adults and as business owners, um, you know, in our careers, and we just we do things, but then we don't really articulate the things that we're doing, right to the folks closest to us, right. And especially because the folks closest to us, they just see us as mom, you know, or sister, cousin, right? They don't see us as, you know, this person with this title who's, you know, doing all these things. And so I'm challenging myself to articulate what I'm doing. So, you know, if the kids say, hey, mom, what did you do today? I had meetings. No, like, tell them what you're, you did today, you know, and that's something I need to do a better job at because that's, you know, a way of demonstrating to them what you do. So, you know what? That's what I've taken away from what you've said. Thanks, Tiana. Well, Fran, I've taken so much away from all the things that you've shared today. And I want to thank you so much for your time and yes. your story and for sharing all your words of wisdom today. And if our listeners want to learn more about you and all the amazing things that you're up to, where are the best places to find you? Yes, for sure. So my website, franmurray.co on Instagram at franmurray.co is where you can find me. And on LinkedIn, I think on LinkedIn is just Fran Murray. But yeah, that's where you can find me, reach out, send me a note. I'm always happy to chat. Well, I wanna thank you so very much, Fran, for joining me today. It was just lovely as always to connect with you and Amazing. to learn from you. Amazing, thank you so much for having me, Tiana. Thank you for listening to the People Teaching People podcast. 
I'm your host, Tiana Fesh. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Tiana Fesh and on my website, tianafesh.com. I would love it if you would subscribe to, rate, and review this podcast. Your feedback and support are so appreciated. See you next time where we will continue to explore all things teaching and learning together.